sorry I haven't been around in a while, Ma, but but I've been busy, real busy. Oh, yeah? You got a good job? You're doing real well? Yeah, real good, real good. What kind of business? Well, uh, I'm sort of a distributor, like, for a big importer. Oh, uh, hey, oh I'm so happy for Easy. you. Mm. You're killing me. <laughs> Jesus, what are you, been lifting weights? <laughs> I always knew you could do that. Well, you were right, Ma. Now maybe you'll uh, meet a nice girl and have a baby. I already met one. Ah! Ma, 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 don't, don't go away, oh, shit, all right? So who is she? Who's your parents? You, you know her, Ma. Marion, Marion Silva, remember? Oh, remember? Silva. Yeah. Of course. Manhattan Beach. He's got a house on the Esplanade. Garment business. Yeah, he's real big in women's undies. <laughs> hey, before you go bouncing all over again and make me forget, Ma, just... What I want to tell you is that well, I got you a present. Right. I don't need a present, just have a baby. Will you let me tell you what I got you? Will you, Ma? Christ, you, you are really something else today, you know that? Look, I know... Well... Uh, I'm sorry for being such a bastard. I want to make it up. I mean, I mean, I know I can't change anything that's happened, but, but I want you to know that... I love you, and that I'm sorry, and I want you to be happy. edition of the cinema nine podcast it is a lovely thursday here in michigan and it's the same i assume in the other areas where all of our hosts reside the cinema nine podcast is brought to you by three men giving their all in the name of cinema travis roy you're in philadelphia how's it going over there today uh i'm in a world uh you know we're in, a, in a podcast i'm setting myself we're, we're setting ourselves apart <laughs> i i know who i am i'm a dude <laughs> yeah me i know who i am that's good eric uh as always people wait for it how's it going in griffith indiana it's a beautiful day here in griffith indiana and i'm excited to make fun of more harmless 
child actors in their piss poor performances. Ooh, yeah, we haven't done that in a while. I'll look forward to that. Today's show is going to feature our main course as always. And this week we are going to find out, does it hold up Requiem for a Dream? Darren Aronofsky. Going to be interesting. Oh, boy. Also, we're going to talk top three robots in film. Robots <laughs> slash androids. I don't know if we made it clear. Or yeah, not. Uh, yeah, we mean, yeah. We mean both, though, right? Okay, so Bicentennial yeah. Man's in play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Of course. <laughs> AI, it's in play. All right. All right. And uh, then, of course, we will close the show with our quarantine viewing picks. The hits just keep on coming. But first, let's dive right into it. So, gentlemen, uh, how are we doing? How uh, is the movie watching going, Travis? What's the latest? Did you enjoy your movies over the last week? Uh, yeah, I've enjoyed my movies. I, I, I you know, um, it's been kind of a hectic week. So I, I kind of, like, fell back on watching more stuff I've seen before. I kind of, like, broke some of my, 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 my what I've been going to, you know, trying to do. But, yeah, it's been a good week. I watched a lot of movies. Um, also, I'm, I'm packing. I'm, I'm leaving lovely Philadelphia. Uh, in a month. Uh, so I started right. packing the stuff so I can kind of have movies and stuff on. Like I was having movies on while I was like job hunting and stuff. Now I have movies on while I pack and clean. It's a fun little transition. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's possible that all three of us will be able to do a, a podcast live together at some point. Oh, Eric that'd be awesome. Back oh, wow. at some point. So that'll be Absolutely. fun. Absolutely. That'll be a special edition. We'll look forward to that. Uh, Eric, how you been, man? Have you been watching films or you've been trying to branch out, maybe get into some painting, uh, some cryptography? After a brief detour of three seasons of Hoarders on A&A, A&E, <laughs> I'm back. I, I, I stuffed in a few movies that I'll be excited to talk about a little later. So, yeah, back at it. Uh, right. Who makes these recommendations, by the way? Is it you or your wife? Are, are you the reality TV junkie or is it her? Or is it both of you? It's a bit of both. And I got to say, uh, if you're struggling with, like, um, a diet right now and you're having trouble, like uh, – not eating everything in your fridge, watch an episode of Hoarders and you won't want to uh, go near a, a bathroom or a kitchen for like a week. So Ooh. just a little tip. That is Sounds cool. like really quality entertainment. That sounds like a good way to spend your time. <laughs> yeah, it Three actually kind of connects to uh, Requiem for a Dream. Trying to avoid bit. that fucking fridge, right? <laughs> uh, as of course, this is the Cinema 9 Podcast. You can find us on Instagram. We are very active on Instagram. You can see uh, pictures of reviews and also commentaries from great film analysts like Eric and Travis. And you can email us, show at cinema9pod at protonmail.com. That's a numerical nine. And send us a tweet. If you're anti-Instagram, tweet us. If you're anti-Twitter, Instagram. It's that simple. <laughs> oh, here we go. Let's do it. Top three robot right. performances. There are more robotic slash android slash whatever you want to call them in film then you might realize and it can go in a lot of different directions so i'm i'm very curious to see how this goes because as always we never reveal our picks until we start the show so travis let's start from number yeah. three as usual what do you got well you know i i will i'm going to start by saying like of course there are uh you know noms for you know some honorable mentions um i I did not include anyone from Star Wars, personally. I just, oh. there's no, there's just, it's just, wow. it's such a given. I just, there's no Star Wars. Um, I'm not including it. So, barring Star Wars, um, this is my, my top, you know, my, my top guys. So, number three, I'm going to give up to Rocco Lee Brown as Box in Logan's Run. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen Logan's Run in a while. 
Um, I've never it's, seen it's a, it's it. A I've classic, never seen it. Me neither. It's a classic apocalyptic movie. I, I'm a little wary to like go into um, what box means. So I don't want to ruin it for you guys since you haven't seen it. Uh, you know, it's a spoiler alert. It's been a long time. I can live with it. You should have seen it. It's been a um, Yeah. Yeah. You can live with it. So box is like, you know, what it is is Logan's run takes place in the society. It's like in this utopian society, but it's not really, you know, people, people dying unnecessarily. So Logan and his, and his lady friend, they escape and they, they, cause they, they're like drawn to this other land, you know, this far away place outside of uh, their civilization. And what it is is box is leading people there, like, you know, escapees. And like the idea is that this is hope and they get there and it's box and box does not provide hope. His, he is actually freezing people to death and like storing them so like the Ooh. the few people that escaped the civilization they think they make it to the promised land and here's box at the end of things ready to just fucking kill him and he's like hi and he's like really <laughs> happy and friendly and like i'm doing my job and it's really actually like unsettling as fuck um so i'm wow. gonna go to roscoe lee brown, and logan brown. <laughs> well that sounds a lot more interesting than i ever thought logan's run was okay I'm, i might yeah, watch it never sometime. seen it never yeah. seen it <laughs> some reason i always mix it up with cannonball run it doesn't deserve that it's just the word Nothing run like so yeah, yeah. yeah. Silent running. I get all three of those confused. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number three, Eric? I'm very curious. Uh, no Star Wars picks. I actually think, by the way, that was a good call by Travis. We should have probably thrown in something like that, but it's okay if you got Star Wars choices. We'll live in it. I deliberately did the same thing. Uh, uh, I just thought, you know, it's not that. And everyone knows, like, Darth Vader and 3PO and R2-D2. Like, who cares? We can move on from that. Great. Um, so... I wanted to give a shout out to Conky from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Uh, remember that, <laughs> that big ass robot mm-hmm. that hung out with Pee Wee, like kept it real, real, kicked out jams, and like the provided boom box? the secret word. Yeah, absolutely. I love Conky. Um, <laughs> probably my favorite robot is on TV, so I didn't want to get controversial there, and that was probably going to be Data from. Star Trek: The Next Generation. Ooh. So, is that controversial, or is that? Is that yeah, that's controversial. Movie? We said film. He said movies, but he's in yeah. movies. Yeah. You're right. You're right. He's in Travis. movies, but right. yeah, I'll just top that up to an honorable mention. So, my number three is actually um, <laughs> this. Also, might be a controversial. Uh, the Tin Man from Wizard of Oz. Is, I knew somebody was going to pick this. I knew somebody was going to pick the Tin Man. Yeah, I guess. I, I've always loved The Tin Man. It's like one of the first movies I remember seeing as a kid. And it's the first time I ever really remember seeing like an android or a robot on film. And I don't know. Every time I watch it, he's really sweet and optimistic and sensitive. And he's a great friend. And plus, my, uh, my great uncle did the makeup, Jack Don. So there's a personal connection there. Uh, so, yeah, The Tin Man. Your great uncle did the makeup on The Wizard of Oz or just The Tin Man? My great grandma's brother Jack did all the makeup in The Wizard of Oz and, and other know. films in, in Hollywood. So pretty, pretty he awesome. Put those men through. He put them through hell. Absolutely, this fucking torturous hell. Wow, I didn't know that's a fun fact about you. I did not know. I'm learning something. See, we learn Good things times. on this show, ladies and gentlemen. My number three choice is a personal choice for me. It is none other than TikTok from the 1985 <laughs> follow-up. A return, yes. return to Oz. Isn't that weird? Yes. TikTok. So, TikTok oh, wow. is the fun little dude. Wow. He's got a great little deep voice. And he's like, I, I will help you. I will help you. Let me wind you up. Just wind me up. I will do things. And then he gets frozen, but he can still talk, but he can't move. It sucks. And, you know, he does great work when he's wound up. But when he's not wound up, unfortunately, he's a, 
<laughs> it's kind of a detriment to the team. And it's a wild team. Return to Oz is wildly underrated. I, have, I love this movie. Like, it's a personal children's favorite. I put it right next to the never-ending story in terms of early 80s, mid-80s films that were for children that I love. And Bruza Balk's in it. And I want to give TikTok a shout-out. I don't know if we, I don't know if we would ever talk about TikTok on this show other than this moment. So I'm glad that this happened. So good call Watching TikTok go upstairs is like a fucking marble. It's like he swings his whole body and it's like, oh, is he going to fall? No, no, he's got it. He's got it. Yeah. And then he gets stuck when he gets wound down. Anyways, TikTok's fun. And if you've never seen it turned to us, check it out. It's kind of dark oh, yeah. and it's a little more edgier than you might think. It holds up. It's on Disney Plus. I watched it a couple of months ago. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun. Creepy, but it's fun. Great. I'm glad to know I'm not alone. Travis, what's next for you? So, I, I should have looked up the date for this movie, but what I'm talking about is uh, Robot and Frank. It stars Frank oh. Langella, which just occurred to me that Frank plays Frank Langella. Anyways, um, <laughs> but, and Peter Sarsgaard plays Robot. And, uh, you know, science fiction films, I love this about science fiction, but uh, science fiction in general tends to, like, critique science and like, the abuse of science and, like, all that kind of stuff. Um, and this movie actually is one of the few instances where I can think of where it really does like this good job of showing how AI um, might have a heart and a soul and not necessarily in a creepy or like, or like uh, ominous way that the way it's mm. often done. Like mm -hmm. it's actually like really a sweet movie about friendship in unexpected places. And it's really a beautiful little film that should have gotten a lot more notice, I think. So check oh. that out if you haven't before. Yeah, oh, I haven't that seen one that. Went, yeah, went right past me as well. I'll have to check that out. There's, I'm learning a lot today. Wow. Okay, Frank. Frank <laughs> Langella, Skeletor. Hey, what about you? Eric Branchum, who's number two? All right. Well, I'm worried that my number two is going to be everyone's number one, but Ooh. I'm going to tell you guys anyway. Um, you know, we, <laughs> we give Vin Diesel a lot of shit on this show um, for good reason, but... Uh, one of his best performances was my number two pick, uh, The Iron Giant from 1999. Um, Not on my list. Does, yeah, he does great voice work in it. It's from Brad mm -hmm. Bird, who did Ratatouille and The Incredibles. Um, and there's a lot of excellent themes in here. Uh, um, fatalism and the, uh, humanity and, and loss and self-sacrifice. And it's one of these movies, you know how Disney keeps remaking their own movies for no goddamn reason except to like make hordes and hordes of money? This is actually one of those animated films that I'd, I'd actually like to see as a, in live action. You can make the, the Iron Giant look really cool uh, with, you know, proper effects. But I think this is an amazing movie and a really sweet, honorable character. It's, you know, it's, it's, fairly close to something like E.T., but whereas E.T. like doesn't really, he's just kind of along for the ride and like, Iron Giant has like a, has a huge part in the story and he has a huge responsibility, even though he develops this very sweet, loving relationship with this little boy, Hogarth. So if you haven't seen this incredible, uh, credible movie based on a, a book by uh, actually, the, the the fellow that was married to Sylvia Plath. So there's a lot of like really deep themes because he wrote it after she committed suicide, and it's just really really sweet and I think overlooked from '99. All right, I've never seen that either, so I'm gonna have to get on that. Yeah, I've heard good mm -hmm. things. Very popular in the pop culture world. 
Yeah. Number two for me is going to be <laughs> John, <laughs> it's a smaller role, but it's I a robot in a film. <laughs> I'm going with Johnny Cab from Total Recall. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there it is. I love it. Oh, I love Johnny Cab. Have a nice Johnny day. <laughs> Lynn, you're in for a ride or some shit, whatever he says. You know? I just love this. And he gets twisted around and Arnold tears him off. And he's the taxi cab driver in Total Recall. The original, if you've never seen it. And uh, bring some comic relief during some bloody squib-filled violence. Oh. And, uh, I think we all enjoy yeah. his performance. So. <laughs> Kudos to you, Great Johnny choice. Cab. Great choice. Awesome. All right, so I'm, co- I'm excited here. Who's the number one for you, Travis? Oh, the number one robot, android, whatever the hell you want to call it. Here we well, go. I want to throw out, I want to throw out uh, another um, honorable mention real quick because what prompted all this was the passing of Ian Holm. Yeah, and, uh, there, and I, I rewatched Alien recently because I had not oh. seen since I was a kid. I'll talk about that later. But his performance is really great. But I, I, my, my choice uh, for number one, it was an obvious choice for me. It's oh boy. Probably come as no surprise to a lot of people. Um, and Eric, I'm guessing you already picked this too. I am of course talking about Rutger Hauer as Roy Batty in Blade Runner. I mean, that's just a, uh, Eric just went away. He just disappeared. He's so <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not my honorable mention. Honorable mention for me, but great pick. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, career defining <laughs> performance. Oh, God. Uh, and, and, and the, and the, the, you know, the soliloquy was mostly improvised classically. Mm. So, um, just a beautiful performance. Like, it's already like in the book, the character was pretty interesting. In the movie, so much more interesting. And then what Rutger Hauer brought to it, just so many layers of, uh, of stuff, to, stuff to really think about here uh, in terms of morality and, uh, and, and mortality and all this really. Mm-hmm. The, the, the stuff that robots can really do in movies sometimes in ways that humans weirdly can't. Um, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Mm, gorgeous. So is a cyborg is not included in this, right? Because that's like too human. Yeah, Eric said Darth Vader earlier, and I kind of went, eh, we didn't uh, talk uh, about cyborg. I yeah. absolutely okay. think cyborg uh, counts here. Uh, no way. Well, I strongly disagree. So I, it's just a thought I, I had. I'm like, also. Okay, good. I'm glad so that. So no half human. has to be completely mechanical. Yeah, because yeah. I knew who my, my number robot. one would be very obvious. It would be RoboCop, but I, that's not a <laughs> robot. You know, he's a cyborg. Got, right. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Okay. Yeah, I'm cool right. with that. Just checking in on that. Well, that's a great choice, uh, Travis. I, <laughs> Blade Runner, it's not a movie I watch often, but Rucker Hauer's performance is fantastic in that. Rest in peace. He is something else, that guy. Yeah. All right, Eric, then uh, give it to us. (laughs) Go ahead. Defy the rules. Do as you please. When I was nine years old, a film came out that had a huge impression on me. Uh, And the the central character specifically, because when I moved from my old, uh, I grew up in Livonia, then I moved to uh, this uh, town, Brighton or Heartland, whatever you call it. And I was weird and awkward and I didn't know anyone and I was really sensitive and lonely and uh, but I was very you know empathetic and um you know besieged by unrequited love so when Edward Scissorhands came out hard on his sleeve here Edward Scissorhands Scissorhands came out that was a fucking game changer Uh, yeah he's he's absolutely my favorite and there's there's so much pathos. I know we always talk about that, but yeah. this character specifically, he didn't ask to be made like this, let alone be made at all. And, you know, he's, he accepts all of his infallibilities in a funny way and his flaws. And, you know, at some point you got to, the message of the character is so powerful because you, at some point you got to accept these, these faults you have with yourself or you got to, you know, defy them and, 
and he does both in the film and it, it just made a big impact on the way I carried myself and thought about film in general, even way back then as a small, small boy. It's a great choice. And last week we talked about Winona Ryder and that movie also came up. So it's uh, Edward Scissor's Hands Fiesta the last couple of weeks. Of course, played beautifully <laughs> by the great Johnny Depp. That's right. Who is not an abuser. He's a good person, I think. Well, you yeah, he might not back. be a great person, but he's, he may not be who some people thought he was. So I'm glad that Johnny Depp is... Yeah, Mordecai. There it is. Mordecai reference. Mordecai. Mordecai. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if I can't do RoboCop, then my number one, I think I'm going to go with... Uh, I think I'm gonna, <sighs> Shit. I'm kind of torn. I, I want to give an honorable mention, I guess, to Dot Matrix from Spaceballs. It's not Star oh, Wars. Yeah. But Joan yeah. Rivers' Dot Matrix is great. And, uh, <laughs> that funny. wonderful spoof, very funny. So in that spirit, then, I'll go with my number one. I'm going with Ed 209 because he's, oh. he's a real hardcore bastard. You know? <laughs> he's got huge guns, and he totally blows away that executive in the business meeting. <laughs> one of the, maybe the most yeah. squibbiest of blood squib scenes there's ever oh, been. Oh, God. They're hoping blood fest. <laughs> that actor, the guy who played him, like he, he did like 20 blood squibs in like five seconds. It was, he must, I'm not surprised he didn't get burned a little bit, honestly. <laughs> I think the original <laughs> cut was longer, too. Like it was supposed to go on longer than that. Oh, perfect. Cut it down. I'm pretty sure. I'm, His I whole body it. just tear, <laughs> torn apart by squibs. Yeah. And Ed 209, you know. But, 80s, and again, though, the stairs come into play, Eric, because when Ed 209 gets on the stairs, he struggles. Dude. So you robots yeah. got to stay off stairs. <laughs> you know? That's my one lesson I've learned. But Ed 209, <laughs> he's a true robot. You know, he's a machine created by yeah. omni-consumer products. So. <laughs> Didn't right. we get a message from a – on Instagram with a great pick as well. It was, it was, oh, yeah. It was on my honorable mentions list, too. Yeah. What was it? Sweet Swanson? What's this guy? Uh, motion in reverse. That's right. <laughs> motion, Sweet Swanson. I don't know. What, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> motion in reverse picked uh, Hal 9000. porn over there? And uh, Ava from Ex Machina. That was motion reverse. Yeah. The, Those are good choices. Two great choices. Uh, Hal 9000, a classic from 2001 Space Odyssey. And, yeah. Ava. And uh, don't we have to thank. Chris Deary for uh, sending the letter in. Did we already thank him? Did he have any of his own suggestions? I think he picked Ash, didn't he? Am I right? I, I believe that was Chris? I believe that was Chad. But yeah, he 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 wanted Chad? to mention Ash from Alien. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, it was I blew it. All right, well, okay. Chad, thank you, they're Chad, both, for sending. They're both good in. people. So good. Kudos like to both of you. And they both start with a CH. That's true. Very important. easy. Basically, the same person. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so similar. One's bald. One has hair. Yeah. <laughs> One's a father, one's not. Same person. Okay, so <laughs> if you have some choices, as always, we never hit everybody's choices because we limit it to three on purpose because we want to keep some more options for you all to send in to us. Please do. Cinema9pod at protonmail.com. That's numerical nine, cinema9pod at protonmail.com. TikTok. So TikTok funny. forever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now let's do it. It's our favorite part of the show. We oh boy. decide. Does it hold up? It's time. Requiem for a dream. Soon. When? 
can you come today? Just wait for me, all right? Okay. I'm coming back, Marion. Yeah. Marion? Yeah. I'm really sorry, Marion. I know. Darren Aronofsky, <laughs> a movie that is hailed by critics and hailed by regular folk like us but some people find it uncomfortable to watch travis how long how long has it been when's the last time you saw this movie and what were your initial impressions let's open it up so i have kind of a storied history a little bit with this one bear with me uh it came it came out right when i started film school um Mm. uh i went to full sail in orlando but it came out like really early in film school. So like it wasn't like later on, like me and big groups of film nerds, we'd go together to see Memento and Oh Brother, Where Out Thou and just freak out about it. But this one came out before people really knew each other. So it was like the big DVD that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was getting circulated. So I saw, it, um, I saw it then. And like everybody I knew was just going fucking bonkers for this movie. And I didn't really care for it. I was pretty underwhelmed by it. I kind of hated it. Wow, really? And I gave it another shot like a year later, and I, and I, I still fucking hated it. Uh, and then friend of the show, Paul Freeling, really urged me to read the book, and I read the book. Yeah. Which was torturous, but good. <laughs> and, um, and I had a new appreciation for the movie when I watched it the third time, so that was probably like 2004 or so. And I liked it then, and, uh, and, I, came, you know, and I did not watch, watch it again since until, until yesterday. Mm. Uh, and I have, I have feelings about it. We'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a yeah, wild so way. Okay. He's got feelings, folks. Breaking news. That's good to know. I can't wait to find out what they are. But Eric, this was your <laughs> choice. Eric, you made a selection. You purposely chose this film for us to watch again. Tell us why. Uh, you know, for a couple of different reasons. I I, I think really the point of uh, does it hold up is to to take a film that was like in the zeitgeist back in the day and you know mm. see see how everybody's thinking about it, especially us you know uh, almost 20 years later and i think it's important to examine some of these landmark films from these great auteur directors these these technically brilliant milestones and just take another look at them and and see how time has treated them and all that so i was mostly interested for that purpose i've you know i i've, I've never really loved the film you know like you said, Travis, Paul told me to read the book and that's all he would talk about. So I, I had to get around to it and then I saw it and I remember being impressed with this spread that Darren Aronofsky was capable of doing, but I couldn't really connect to it, I guess, on, on an emotional level. Um, I haven't seen it in probably, probably 18 years or so. I haven't really thought about it that much, but I think it's an important film to discuss. And I was glad, I ended up being very glad I re-examined it. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm glad you chose it too, because it definitely is a, 
it brings out a lot of different topics and goes in a lot of different directions, not only for film, but also for like psychological thoughts. It's going to yeah. be interesting. I want to review as we always do in the show on IMDb Requiem for a dream has an 8.3. That's a oh, excellent, wow. excellent rating. An eight and above is like almost classic status. And then it's a 79 <laughs> and a 93 with rotten tomatoes, 79 and a 93. So it looks like there's a slight difference between how the critics and the audience. Feels. Oh boy. What about these clown critics? Yeah, here we go. Uh, John Anderson from Newsday said on January 1st and 2000. So this is back. You know, we try to give you reviews from when the movie came out. Dream proves a number of things. The audacity of director Darren Aronofsky's <laughs> eye, the brilliance of Ellen Burstyn's acting, and apparent poverty of discernment or intelligence on the ratings board. Hmm, he's dissing the oh, ratings. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. That's yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, Jonathan Rosenbaum from the Chicago Reader says, unfortunately, once Requiem for a Dream accumulates all this elaborate and suggestive paraphernalia, it plummets in an inexorable, almost mechanical spiral. He's not <laughs> two out of four stars for him. He did not like it. And then lastly, yeah. one for the road, Rene Rodriguez from the Miami Herald says, remarkable, easily the most searing movie going experience of the year. <laughs> so, um, uh, overwhelmingly um, positive reviews of, uh, up and down the Rotten Tomatoes critics board. So it seems to be a big hit with critics. Uh, why do you think that is? I mean, we're film <laughs> reviewers. We, we do review films. That's what we're doing here, Travis. Do you think this is more of an audience film or a critics mm. film? Or is it just for anybody who's a fan of like, cinematography and quick like really good editing in this film so there's a lot of things that mm. uh, technically are very impressive on this film i mean wasn't nominated for best editing was it that was it nominated no. for best sound design or best sound no. editing which it really fucking what? deserved by the way yep. best sound editing that year went to like there was like two literally two nominees u571 and i forget the other one <laughs> And, like, and these are not. And, and, and when I watched that, that was, when I watched it yesterday, I was blown away by the soundscape oh my created God. in this movie. I, I mean, I'd spent so much time concentrating on the visuals before, before that I was really blown away by that. So, um, so that that's that's one thing. So it's little things like that, I guess, is what I'm saying in answer to your question. That like this is a really well rounded out movie. There's a lot of depth here that where critics and average moviegoers are. Like, this is like high art. This is. This is yeah. really above average filmmaking. And for me, like I'd seen Pi, I never need to see Pi again. I thought it was kind of amateurish and kind of uh, like trying to be weird. I don't know. Anyways. And, and you know, and I fucking loathe mother with a, with a burning passion. <laughs> yeah. You made that. Mother. So some movies. So I feel like this kind of hit the sweet spot for Aronofsky between amateurishness, you know, amateurishness and like uh, pretension because uh, it was, mm. it's an explosive st- and, and I think it helps that it was someone else's story um, you know this, the Selby story that he loved already going in mm-hmm. um, and so yeah I think that it was kind of a perfect storm to, to make this happen and I think that it's well it's easily appreciated by people on every level it's not necessarily the kind of thing you want to return to over and over again that's, <laughs> that's well said Travis I completely yeah, agree with most of what you're saying there uh, Eric the technical aspects of this film are phenomenal, right? Is that what, what's the most impressive part of the film to you? <sighs> I'd have to say the performances. I mean, they're, oh. they're undeniable. And, and we're, talking about, uh, we're talking about some titans of the industry. There was a scene in this movie that was so powerful. 
I had to hit pause and recover for like 30 to 45 seconds when it's between Ellen Burstyn and Jared Leto when, you know, at the kitchen table. Had, yeah. At the kitchen yeah. table. I knew it. I, I, I don't think I've ever done that. Even like a heavy drama. I fucking, I couldn't take, I had to, I had to step back. And that is a true testament. I mean, immediately after like getting myself together, I can, I seriously considered flying to Hollywood kicking down Julia Roberts door and taking her fucking Oscar uh, away and then driving it to Ellen Burstyn's house because this is a master class performance. Yeah. Everything. Everything was stolen from Ellen Burstyn. What have I got, Harry? Hmm? Why should I even make the bed or wash the dishes? I do them. But why should I? I'm alone. Your father's gone. You're gone. I got no one to care for. What have I got, Harry? I'm lonely. I'm old. Friends, Ma? Uh, it's not the same. They don't need me. I like the way I feel. I like thinking about the red dress and the television and you and your father. Now when I get the sun, I smile. That's what stands out to me is probably her performance as well as others will get into, but that's, that's my initial thoughts. Aaron Brockovich. God damn it. No one talks about that movie anymore. And there's a reason why. Exactly. I I love Soderbergh, but you know, Ellen Burstyn, that's what I took away from this film (sighs) in terms of performances was how incredible. I remember being annoyed by her performance when I was younger, but now I'm a little more weathered, you know, I've, I've had a little more experience with life. Now I'm like, wow, this has hit me so hard. It happened yeah. to me just like it happened to you, Eric, at that kitchen table scene. Her, her monologue there is so impressive. And it really okay. bouncing around. It's amazing. Yeah. Pay particular attention. Not that I you know, suggest anyone watch this again anytime soon. You need to take a while. <laughs> but at a certain point in the movie, the camera, the camera drifts away from uh, the, the, the talent and, uh, and it kind of jitters a little bit. And there's a reason behind that. And that is the fact that Matthew Libetique, the cinematographer, was literally crying while filming it and he lost control of the fucking camera. So how really? about that? Who could blame him? Yeah, yeah. Who could blame him is right. It wow. really was the performance of her career and she had a hell of a career. And she said it was the hardest role she ever did. She said it was harder than Exorcist. I mean... Uh, I think I mean I think that she's literally one of the best actors to ever grace the screen, and this might be the best role that she's ever done. So like, for that I can already say like, whew, it's I mean, it, but again like it's hard to watch. It's hard. To watch. Yeah, it's yeah. not comfortable. It's like uh, I feel like the Safi brothers like watched this movie obsessively growing up, and then they <laughs> applied it to their movie making. I mean, there's some there's definitely some elements of this film in their filmmaking. I, yeah. That's something I thought but of good. while watching this. Yeah, well, no, it's not. I mean. Uncut Gems, I don't know if it's good, but we don't need to talk about that, that movie. Yeah, so... Yeah, we, we, already, we already put shit on that. We can move on. <laughs> but 
Oh, we shit on it. Great. Not like Vanilla Sky, though. Nobody shits on a movie like we shit on a movie. Let's make I that vacuous. <laughs> but you got Ellen Burson. You got a young Jared Leto, uh, who was really pretty new to me at the time. And Jennifer Connelly is the most. God, Jennifer Connelly is so beautiful and talented. She's, she's such an amazing actress. She does great work. And Marlon Wayans uh, really showed oh up in this film in a way yeah. that I think yeah. even when I was younger, I remember being like, wow, well, this guy is pretty fucking good. Yeah. He had a campaign for that role. He auditioned five times for this role. And really? it should have been a role that, that changed his trajectory. It should have been a role. Maybe white girls did have something to do with it. <laughs> I don't know. Because he should have had, I mean, he should have gone down a whole different road because he clearly has oh, so good. great work in him. When he's, when he's screaming to help us and the camera's all oh, shaking, he's like God. drooling and shit. Or even the more gentle moments when he's like with his woman and like they're just he's like all I want is peace and love, baby. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. like oh he's just, mm-hmm. this guy. This guy really is just like a sweet Soulful. soul that, that just doesn't want to harm a thing in the world and like and like deserves good things to happen to him. And that's not what happens. You that's know, kinda, they, yeah, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Somebody else go. <laughs> you know what's interesting is that a scary movie came out the same year as this film, and that was like him. He put everything into that. He was writing it and he was in it. And I feel oh. like he decided to go with the scary movie route. It was basically a fork in the road. Like, oh, wow, Requiem's big. Scary movie was huge when it came out. And he just yeah. seems like he kept going that way because white chicks and all that shit came out afterwards. <laughs> just as a side note. <laughs> Maybe right. Yeah, you can't say enough about the performances from all four of these leads and some of the secondary characters. Chris um, McDonald's amazing. <laughs> oh, my God, he's so good in this. Tappy so Tibbins? Good. Fucking Tappy <laughs> Tibbins is great in this film. So, he drills so it into you. Cast. I ate red yeah. meat every day. I was addicted to sugar every day. It's just like they drill it in your head. God. It's is annoying. Is this a real show? Like, I mean, like, is there supposed to be, is this supposed to represent like all of television? Like, cause like, it's just all that's on. It's like, it makes me think of like Repo Man when they, it's just like food, or, like yeah. beer. Like it, mm. it's just like, here, this is like our, our supplement for like our substitution for actual television in it's, this it's world. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this comes out in 2000. And I remember at the time, I didn't really know that much about Jared Leto. I never watched like my so-called life and in Fight Club, I was always like kind of, you know, I, I, did, I was in love with the angel face the year character. Before, yeah, so it was still new. Yeah. And I, I didn't, I've never really appreciated his performance in this so much as I did on this last one. I'm sure it has to do with, with growing up, but he, he's so good in that scene where he kind of breaks down after that intense scene with his mother. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, he does another hit and he's just back into that vacant landscape it's just he he does such a good job playing the addiction to this he's running around like a scrappy little ghost but but he does so well in his scenes Uh, and it sucks that it took you know how long to get like another really great role for for that actor who should have been doing incredible work for for many years in the aughts and all that you know he might do some strange things behind the cameras that uh, disrupt his career as we all kind of are aware um, but yeah, I, I agree that he was that he was really good at that. Um, now I do have some critiques too, since we've kind of been fawning over the the, the movie so far. Um, okay. As far as as I mean, not that I could do any better. Um, but like as far as um, now, and again, like this could come mixed with praise because like mm-hmm. how revolutionary, basically in terms and, and influential, like the, the the quick edits, the drug abuse scenes. Um, that kind of stuff, and like that, that like the, the a lot of the uh, camera work here and technical work that's being done is just awesome. 
But there are also times where I'm like, is this like I I like the wrestler a lot. You know, I think that's a oh, really well directed movie. And, Me too. Um, and I think that it's probably the best directed movie of his career. Like, um, and because he can he can he doesn't have to always show off. And there are parts of the movie like with the split screen, especially when they're like when Connolly and Later are both lying in bed together. And we get the split screen of like yeah. brushing her lips. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, what is the motivation here? Like, there are times where I'm like, you're just kind of showing off here, and, and like, this might actually have hurt the film in some ways. Um, but, you know, to be honest, I mean, like, that's, I kind of had to reach even for, for that criticism. <laughs> I mean, most of the reason I guess the, I don't return to this movie that often is because it's so fucking bleak. But as far as uh, craftsmanship goes, there's not a lot of critiques that I can make against this movie. I struggled with that. I mean, from, from the get-go, you're tossed into it and you're forced to become a participant because of something like the split screen. I think I read a review where someone said that's a great way to make them seem alone together. So I think he has a use for all these little mm -hmm. things. And at the end of the day, if you're going to tell this story effectively that's about addiction, you have to keep everyone's attention. You know, this... Addiction is something that can be so easily, dis that's the big problem with the crisis. It can be dismissed, overlooked, ignored. But if, it can, if you have a movie that captivates you and forces you to say, sit here and watch this, if not for the technical flourish alone, then mm -hmm. I think it's important that you, that you make it this engaging. So that's, that's where I came away from it with in terms of the style. Do you think the side-by-side -side has a bigger meaning at times? It, it often it yeah, doesn't even have... It doesn't even have anything to do with what you're actually seeing on screen at times, because I think his purpose in this film is to comparatively show addiction in all its forms, right? The, the heroin is the classic. We've seen plenty of movies about heroin use and abuse yeah. and struggles. And not, but then, you know, you got like this, this. this woman, this, this mother who's raised her mm -hmm. child and her husband's gone and she's just a, a Brooklynite, you know, a nice Jewish lady living in Brooklyn with the other ladies in the apartment complex and, but now she's taking these pills that are given by her doctor, which should be fine, but they're not fine. Mm -hmm. And this, this movie is even more um, as a prognostication, as like kind of showing the future. It shines a light on what we're really at now, especially with the whole opioid thing exploding over the last 10 years. Uh, what doctors give you and what's good for you, even questioning what you're taking is an important thing to do. And I, I love the psychological and even philosophical angles of this film when it comes Absolutely. to about addiction. It stands the test of time in that realm, bar none. I really appreciated also that it went beyond drug addiction. When the movie starts, a moment that made me uncomfortable as a fat couch potato Yes. <laughs> was that, you know, the, the mom, she gets into, she gets into, the, she gets into the couch, into her, into her spot, and she turns on the TV with a remote, and she yep. completely sees she has her own little sister. She's got her chocolates ready. Her show's about to start. Mm. She like, caresses them. <laughs> yeah. I had this moment where I'm like, oh, I can't, I don't relate to that, like, at all. Totally don't relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, because it's, it's, a, it's about more than, you know, than, than just drug addiction, right? It's all the ways that, that uh, we can... Um, just be compulsive about things and, and, totally. just, and, and obsess over things. And it's just really, uh, yeah. So like, I, I really respected it for taking it beyond just drug addiction. There's, there's so much more going on here. Yeah. The no uh, sugar, yeah. The, the, the script it shows, no sugar, no sugar, yeah. <laughs> grapefruit. You know, it makes it sound so miserable and it shoves it in your face. I love that. Cause <laughs> oh, we man, can all relate really to that. Yeah. We can all relate all the, to that. The cupcakes and the and the donuts and stuff flying through the air. That's probably the best part <laughs> yeah. of the movie. I'm like, clearly yeah. the movie's all downhill from here. 
I mean, I, another theme that I never picked up on was like how we how we how we treat the elderly as well like and how we no one really talks about how we need to take care of the needs of the elderly and that they have their own you know fears and they could be afraid of becoming these disposable things that need to be checked up on i think the movie does a great job of, of talking about the importance of you know taking care of older people uh as yeah. well absolutely I, I agree with that um I also think that there's something going on that connects to that, to, to piggyback off that, that there's something going on big time in this movie. I don't know totally how I feel about it, about like there's an erosion of trust in institutions, specifically like the medicinal institution, like the health yes. institution. You have, you have Arnold, I think his name is, the, the therapist that, you know, he, he's her therapist. Yep. And he sleeps with her and pays her to sleep oh, with him. And like, like, he's a fucking slime ball. Dylan Baker blows in for one scene to fuck everything up for this guy. Uh, by not helping him at all and sending him to jail, you know. Um, it, it just, and then, of course, the, the, the treatment of the mother every step of the road. I mean, like, from the, from the, from the croaker that's, that's, a, that's feeding her to drugs to, like, the guys that are just, like, carrying on their conversation about fucking casino night while they're, while they're force-feeding it, like, which is, again, brilliantly, brilliantly done. Yeah. So, like, on one hand, like, I'm like, yeah, this is making a big statement about this, but also, like, there's a lot of people that really, really fear the hospitals and, and, and healthcare workers and all this kind of stuff. And this kind of stuff reinforces that in a way that like, I don't know how realistic that is. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know that there are people that have terrible treatment in these places, but at the same time, like, I don't know, <laughs> like, couldn't they put one fucking doctor in there that gave half a shit about anybody? No, <laughs> no, 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 this yeah, is I mean, the best part of it. it. This was like, you just hit on the theme that I love the most. This is an, uh, a terribly, poorly uh there's no compassion in this society no, there's a yeah. there's a yeah even if it exists but in the institutions itself that's what the compassion is lacking there's people who have it you have it we all have it as individuals yeah. but our institutions don't have compassion and this film shows yeah. it to you i mean i personally i personally could went to a hospital once when i was going through withdrawal from opioid use and i was treated like i was less than a human so that yeah. shit was like really real to me i was like well that I would have watched that 20 years ago and been like, wow, this movie is like a little over the top. You know, I'm sure there's some yeah. decent healthcare workers out there, but it's not that far off. It really isn't. I you raise a good point. Agree with you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm speaking from not a place of, uh, of experience. I mean, I'm just speaking more as someone that like, I know people that are really terrified of, of, of like that, this and that kind of stuff. That's like, you know, but no, you're right. It, it's, 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 there is absolutely abuses in the system and the system is not, particularly uh, caring towards people. And I think that there's also a critique in the movie of capitalism that's going on as well, mm -hmm. because if you think of, you think of the Sarah Goldfarb character and like just how she has nothing, like once her husband's gone, once her son is gone, like she's not working to put food on the table anymore. So she has like nothing to live for. Yeah. What's her purpose? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, which, which makes me even sadder that, that the last scene with a friend show up because you realize like, Hey, you really did have people. You had friends. Like you had a whole life there. Anyway. I digress. <laughs> I love how Aronofsky shoots the, the the scenes in the hospitals too, because if you remember, all of the doctors, the nurses, everyone is shot like this emotionless ghoul. Like no one, like it. It's just very clinical to the proceedings, and they're scary characters. Uh, pretty much every time they show them, and I don't know if it's because Aronofsky's making a comment on the impassive nature of the health system or not but they only seem to hurt and not help yeah 
Well, even the, you know, the doctor, when she's in the uh, asylum towards the end, he seems to be somewhat like compassion. He's like trying, but the things he's offering to help her, you know, they're not very, I don't yeah. know if they're very productive to put it mildly. And uh, she is, I mean, that's Ben Shankman playing the doctor and good old Ben Shankman, good old Ben Shankman checking in. And you got also, he by the way, there's, yeah, that's right. Very good. I forgot about that. And then, uh, you know, Keith David's in this film too. There's a lot of like oh legitimate actors that pop in this film. He plays a guy who, you know, he wants, he's trying to take advantage of Maid Marion's situation. And it's unfortunate. He's so creepy. He's so creepy, but he's like so oh. smooth. It's like weird. It's like, well, I, I, I might actually have fun having a drink with this guy, but this guy's <laughs> fucking terrible. I can't believe it's I'm a, saying that. It's a great casting choice because to me, Keith David has always seemed really likable. You know, like he seems like he seems like someone you want to like. He seems really charming and nice. You know, like I actually want. You know, so like to have him play this fucking sinister uh, character was it was really it's good casting. It was the, the, the up close like of like the cracking his you know the the cracking his mm -hmm. teeth and like talking. I love how Aronofsky gets in everyone's face. Everyone gets a tremendous close up. <laughs> oh yeah, really get to know yeah. everybody personally in this film. It seems like the pores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously all the cuts and the drug shots and the snorts and the so on and the money exchanges, they all fly by and, you know, and it has a rhythm to it in a sense. And it, I don't mind it at all. I think it's actually a lot of fun. I'm like, oh, yeah, whoop, whoop, here we go. And it's been copied like to death since he's done that. that he like almost mastered that kind of uh, quick edit drug exchange, if you will. Yeah, yeah, that a lot of people are turned off by that. Like I I remember people just being like, every five minutes you got to do that. But I mean, it's the, it's the cyclical nature of addiction. I mean, that's yeah. that's pretty much all, all that happens when you're in under that you know type of duress. It's it's routine. It's it's cyclical. So he nails it. So every time I want to argue with this style over substance thing, I think this is again the only way to to tell this story uh, effectively, and it just enhances the drama. It does. Well, here I. Oh, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say that it, we can shift gears, but by, I wanted to comment on what you said about capitalism, too. It, it is an addiction to TV. It's an addiction to sugar. It's an addiction mm -hmm. to money, and that's where the capitalism comes in because we think we need the money to survive to serve the system. So everybody has an addiction in every different phase in so many levels. This film is so deep. I, it's one of the deepest films. If We could talk about this film for four hours. I honestly could say that, so. Yeah, I was thinking that too. There's stuff that we haven't touched on yet. Um, one but, one so thing, I would, I would, yeah, go on. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's, so much to talk uh, about. No, well, I was going to shift gears a little bit. So if you were staying on the same. Uh, well, I, I like the fact that it doesn't, it, it never makes the, the drugs in, in any form attractive. I mean, so many like movies I see, they'll spend the first hour like showing like the, you know how fun it is to be on drugs and stuff and then they go into the download spiral i think maybe in one scene with marlon wayans and jared leto they're like hi and they're like isn't this fucking awesome but aside from that he makes the drugs really scary and i think that's important for a, for a, a movie about addiction so mike since we've talked about this in the last couple episodes i i noticed this coming up in the film and i want to know what you thought of it like for one marijuana does not make you hallucinate that there's a dot like a pure <laughs> like that's not the way marijuana works i've smoked it before um that doesn't happen but but so but there are, are these moments where you don't know what's reality in a movie right like the cop yeah next to me takes the gun out that's tossing around as soon as that, like 
instantly got pissed. About okay, good. Okay, because it, it kind of bothered me. Like that one, that scene in particular with the cop gun bothered me too. Because I'm like, what, what's the fucking purpose of this? To show that he doesn't like a dream sequences. Yeah, uh, you nailed it, Travis. You're right. As soon <laughs> so as he did that, I was like, oh god, here we go. What's real? What isn't? I just wanted to make sure you liked that. <laughs> yeah, I definitely did. And fortunately, he doesn't like. He didn't dabble in it too much. You're right. He basically had the, you know, the Marion on the dock, the fantasy yeah. sequence, and that was he knocks pretty it much off. It. Yeah. Like at the first half hour, I was getting a little worried because of these like uh, like Ren and Stimpy esque zany scenes. <laughs> but but he knocks Ren it off after a while, thanks. <laughs> thankfully. Yeah, but that is always going to be a legitimate beef of mine. And yeah, I'll I'll give him some passes. You know, I actually like taking the cop's gun and maybe beating the shit out of him because I like that kind of thing. That's me. I'm sick. What can I tell you? But. We want to tell you, by the way, as we're talking about this film, please write into us. Is there something, we're going to talk about it more, but is there something that you really want to get off your chest about this film? Hit us up, cinema9pod at protonmail.com. That's the numerical nine. Please, we would love to hear from you on this film because this film goes in so many directions in massive, massive amount of topics in this film. So yeah. So we're talking about the performances a bit. Uh, we've talked about some of the concepts of this film. Uh, what else? What, I mean, then we could take this in so many different directions, guys. What, what else do we, need, we need to recover if we're going to find out if this movie holds up? Well, I, How, well what, do you, what do you guys think of race in this movie? There, I mean, nothing hmm. to critique, but what is, it, what is it saying about race? I think that's worth analyzing. That's interesting. Did you pick up on anything personally or no? I picked on some stuff when they start driving away from New York. It seems uh -huh. like uh, when, when he says, we're 600 miles closer to Miami, and then Harry's like, oh, we're 600 miles farther away from New York, this look comes over Marlon Wayne's face. They're like, yeah. And I was kind of thinking, like, oh, shit, I'm black, and I'm going down to the south. Maybe I might feel uncomfortable. That crossed my mind. That's one, one thing, thing I can think of. Yeah. Well, I, think the, I guess what I'm getting at that, that really stuck out to me with this viewing was the fact, and this is realistic, don't get me wrong. Um, the fact that that uh, Marion and Harry only hook up through Tyrone, like they like when he when Harry bails Tyrone out of jail, I don't even know if it's because he's his friend. It's because he he uses Tyrone to operate in this world. I mean, he goes with him sometimes, like where that shootout and the, the grocery store takes place. But for the most part, like like Tyrone is doing all the footwork. And like, and like, and like, and, and Harry gets angry with him and be like, don't you know people, blah, 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 don't you do, you know? And yeah. it just, I just thought it was interesting that like this white couple is depending on him throughout this whole movie to, 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 to operate in that world. I thought that was just worth making note of. Hmm. What do you think interesting. of that, Aaron? I I didn't pick up on that, but uh, I'm going to ruminate on that. I was actually thinking of other movies because, you know, I got to make my choice at the end of the show for what movie we'll watch next week. And I was trying mm -hmm. to think about like uh, movies with racial overtones and I was thinking about it while watching the film. And I actually thought that like everything kind of blends in pretty well. But when you start to look at it, you're right. You do start to see some hierarchies. And I will honestly say that that specific kind of hierarchy didn't cross my mind. And I actually was going to praise Baranofsky a little bit for, you know, hey, this movie's pretty blended well with just anybody. Any, everybody's in this film on equal footing. But now that you say that, I feel like you're, you're absolutely right, and now I'm yeah, rethinking and, it. So, and Marion hooks up with a pimp, and that pimp is Keith David, who's a very black man. Yeah, so I mean, like that, like they could have, they could have had Hubert Selby do that role if they wanted <laughs> yeah, to. You're you right. know, um, so so uh, there is stuff going on here with race that I think is worth looking at. Yeah, 
I completely agree with you. And I also, I love how the sound impacts me, not just the, the theme. Oh, I mean, yes. the theme and the score are great, right? But the... Oh, uh, remarkable. The remarkable. Incredible. Right. It's fantastic. But the scene that hits me the most with the sound is when they're in jail down in Florida and his arms get falling apart. And there's that editing, that sound editing of like that shaking of the camera and all this... The, yeah. crazy frantic shit going on in the background and then that sound like that like, like put it in there in yeah. the sound it makes it makes me feel his pain almost it's really well done the the, the sound moment that got me the most is um there's this moment where ellen Burstyn keeps opening up the fridge she like checks the mailbox and all that stuff mm. and every time she's going through these motions right when she's like just getting on the mess <laughs> the, the, the whatever's going out whatever that shit is the um and and like where the scene winds up is like her sitting outside with all of her lady friends and, and it start, mm. she starts with them all laughing and talking and what you what's barely mixed in is like one of the girls one of the ladies laugh every time uh in the in the in this in the montage every time ellen burson opens up the mailbox and it's empty you hear this little like, <laughs> like little giggle. it's super subtle and i'm like damn that was fucking brilliant. yeah I actually, I actually watched this movie with headphones on this time which i don't always do and I was really glad that I did it. it uh, I think that's why I focused so much on the audio stuff this time. It probably has something to do with it. But yeah. I think I need to do that more often, especially if something that I feel like might be, you know, um, kind of fast-paced and artistic like this. Yeah, you know, I want to applaud artisan studios who distributed this because it was a, like an epic battle with the, with the critics and the, the MPAA about an NC-17 rating. And understandably, with a movie with these types of topics and themes, if you aren't just fucking going balls out, you're doing a disservice to your viewer and the community and youth culture and all that. So, and it ended up just getting released unrated, which I don't really remember this being unrated. I thought it was just, you know, R for all these sort of reasons. But yeah. uh, I, I love the fact that they just pushed it out there intact. Uh, it, says, it says a lot, you know. Oh, it definitely does. They took a chance, and now it's beloved by people, not just critics. I mean, the audience score is higher than the critic score, which is amazing. And I that think that me. that yeah. does surprise me, too, because I thought this would be like the critic's choice. But that means people relate to this film because we all know one of these addictions in one form or another. That's why I think it has a broad appeal for being such a artsy, as you said, Travis, film. It really is. It's, it's artsy, but it's broad in a sense because yeah. it's almost for telling – where we are now 20 years later you know things have just steadily gotten worse i don't think it's unfair to say it. you you could look at facts and information okay and you know eco economic wages have shrunken and things related to opportunity have been reduced and i think that this film will continue to stand the test of time and connect with people who see it because of that circumstance uh it's a i mean it's a hard watch there's no doubt about it but it, it does three things uh, it, among others, but it, it can help you learn about your own addiction. If you're suffering from addiction, it can help you understand someone that you know and what they're going through. And it can help you empathize with the struggles of others. And to do all three of those things effectively isn't easy and have the films be, you know, something that is tolerable and, and, and entertaining for better or worse. Tolerable though. I mean, like that. <laughs> like it is. Like it, it is almost intolerable. I mean, like it as the movie progresses, um, between the cuts and like how fast everything is happening, and 
the the subject matter and how dark everything is getting as it goes on. Like towards the end of the movie, like I was just like gritting my teeth and like I see this movie over and over again, you know, and I'm still just like, oh my god, it's so fucking brutal. Yeah, um, the way Sarah Goldfarb's grinding her teeth. So yeah, and it, you know the movie starts off right before the credits or the, the opening credits come up. Sarah Goldfarb says, "It's it's all gonna be all right in the end." I'm like, no, that was <laughs> it's, it's not. not. It's not. <laughs> I paused it. Like like I think like ten or fifteen minutes in, I I paused it and I was like, I I'm already kind of exhausted because you almost get an entire film in just those first fifteen minutes with the way it's it's presented, you know. So yeah, it can be exhausting. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. But I still, I felt more comfortable watching this film than I did watching Uncut Gems. I hate to go back to that film, but that's the film I think of when I get so, that movie made me very uncomfortable. So this movie is a tough watch, but it's, I don't know, it just doesn't make me anxious as much. I, it's relatable and it's painful and it's like, oh, maybe this is uncomfortable, but. Well, it's, it's a movie like, I'm not going to get into it, but (laughs) if you make a movie like Uncut Gems uncomfortable, I don't, I didn't give a fuck about that character. He was a sleazeball, yeah. but I cared about these characters and it, to make a movie like this uncomfortable, it just makes you invest more into it. You know what I mean? Being un- yeah, being uncomfortable isn't the problem. And even not liking the characters, I think is not necessarily the problem. There has to be something bigger going on. Like, there has to, like, you know, like if you're going to take away from column A, you got to give me a little more in column B. Mm-hmm. Um, there's got to mm-hmm. be some sort of equilibrium that's met to, mm-hmm. to make a good film. Um, especially if you're making a movie that's frankly kind of uncomfortable to watch. That's yeah. a great point. Yeah, there, there's just great so point. much to dissect here that look what we're doing now. I mean, I see so many <laughs> angles of this film and it makes me think and it'll make me think the rest of the day. I'll think about this film tomorrow, I think, because yeah. it sticks with you. And I like films that do that to me. That that never bothers yeah. me. I'm happy to be yeah. uncomfortable as long as you said, Travis, there's like a purpose. There's a meaning to this. It's like, yep. it's like they said... Uh, you know, a shout out to the guys who do uh, Cinema Sins, you know, everything wrong with mm-hmm. this movie, yep. which is great. Mm-hmm. Those guys are awesome. And yeah. they did un- Uncut Gems recently. And they're like, why is this a protagonist? This is the worst protagonist that ever existed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yep, you said it. There's, I have no interest in this character. Fuck that movie. guy. Fuck hey, that KG. Guy. Yeah. KG. Hey, KG. <laughs> KG. KG. <laughs> but these guys, I mean, Sarah Goldfarb, I feel terrible for. And I, I, I'm yeah. rooting for something better to happen. It never happens. Yeah unfortunately and it's painful this movie is cruelly honest that's why i love it it's just so painfully it took, honest it took actors that could sublimate their vanity and just give everything to it uh to, to push it over the top and across mm. the board it's just heartbreaking performances absolutely there's three oscar yeah. winners not from this movie but overall that you know there's a real heavy talent in this for the four leads yeah um, you know, to, to wrap up my thoughts on it, if we're, if we're getting towards that, um, I, I think that, like, again, like, you know, to reiterate, it's not the thing you want to watch over and over again, but everyone should see it at least <laughs> once or twice. Um, it is a, it is a high piece of, it's a great piece of high art. Mm. Um, it's a modern tragedy. You know, the movie starts and it's, uh, it's summer, right? And then we get fall and then we get winter. There's no spring because spring is a time of renewal. This movie's not about renewal. Yeah. Um, so it's very much uh, a, a very beautifully composed tragedy. Um, that's, that's, you know, if I was telling people to watch important movies from like 2000 to now, as much as I'm not going to watch it over and over again, I would probably put it on a short list. Which yeah. I did not necessarily think I would have said before I watched it recently. 
Um, so I'm, glad, I'm also glad that we've come back to revisit it. Wow. Eric, are you making that disgusted face because you keep on drinking that gross Mountain Dew, that sugarless Mountain Dew shit that this face is about? <laughs> I, I absolutely support Mountain Dew Zero, zero Sugar. <laughs> but no, I'm dead. I absolutely agree with what you're saying. It's, it's, it's fucking bleak. There's no doubt about it. But again, I think it can endure, endure any criticism you give it because its central yeah. message is that things are going to get worse until something is done to address it. And that's a message that needs to be hammered down. It's done by it's done so by a sublime filmmaking talent. I mean, Jennifer Connelly alone can put a spell on you, okay? In any scene she's in, and they give her a fucking Oscar for the saccharine shit a year later with a beautiful mind. I mean, it just that was a makeup Oscar. Mind-boggling. It was a makeup Oscar, totally. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, this movie is timeless, and that's why it will stand up. It holds up clearly, yeah. in my view. Because you're just replacing little semantic details. Yes, it's an older television. It's a tube TV. Now we have HD TVs. Uh, <laughs> yes, she's watching it. Uh, there are rabbit ears on her television. And now we have Netflix and streaming services. But those are just semantic details. The, the addiction to television, the addiction to sugar are very real today. And they'll be very real in 100 years from now. So this movie will stand the test of time because of that. The overall message speaks to people. And even if you don't want to admit it, you, this movie will make you think. You could be like, fuck that movie. That movie's so dumb. And then maybe a couple of days later, you might be still thinking about it and be like, wow, that movie got inside my head. And I didn't even realize it. Well, that's why I like, that's I, mean, why I like to watch them well before we record. So I can. Yeah, again, I screwed that up. I, I got to start watching movies on Mondays. <laughs> I'm really blowing it. I think one of the most things that impresses me before, we, before I conclude my thoughts is that you look at other movies about addiction like a train spotting in the basketball diaries and in mm. midnight cowboy, which I, I fucking love. Yeah. You can sit there and eat popcorn and be a disassociated from <laughs> the circumstances. Okay. It, you cannot do that here. It's impossible. So basketball diaries, but okay, whatever. I'll uh, give I mean, you your humor. point. So. Well, there, there's still humor in it. Okay. I, I defy you to find much humor in this aside from maybe Christopher McDonald. His stuff was shot in a one day, by the way. That's no all they shit. did. He just did a soundstage yeah. one day with an audience, and that was it. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, one one more thing I was gonna I meant to bring up. Did anybody else get major Arthur Fleck vibes when Sarah Goldfarb finally has her red dress on and she's putting her makeup on and she's dancing around? Like, there's a <laughs> lot like of a stuff that's in this movie. That, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's like clearly influential to other directors. But like, as she was doing that, I'm like, holy fuck, that's that's Arthur Fleck right there having himself a nice little dance. Mm, it's yeah. it's aged well i cannot believe it's been 20 years you could show this to an audience yeah. today and it, it could be as if it just hit theaters yeah and yeah. they had a deaf drug dealer i thought that was really cool i don't know why yeah, i liked that i liked that part Not long that's my the synopsis story, there you go there's my synopsis of requiem for a dream there's a deaf drug dealer <laughs> let's just state facts about the movie no analysis <laughs> what if that was our whole podcast oh i learned a lot i don't really know much about the film but i learned a lot so uh yeah bottom line then i think we all agree it holds up right travis yeah absolutely are we gonna be uh above uh everybody else and not even mention the ass to ass and just be like you know what whatever well, we were gonna mention oh, that we oh, almost got fuck. through it we almost got through it till you said we it almost we almost made it didn't we I, I took the movie seriously i focused yeah and now here we are <laughs> ass to ass. i brought up the grand themes but here we are yeah <laughs> i guess it's a fitting note to end on i mean you know it is because yeah. in the end you know it's ass to ass so <laughs>
that is it. We have decided. That's the lesson we get from that movie. Hey, <laughs> takeaway. But then, boop, boop, that's the lesson we've learned. It's Requiem for a Dream, guys. 2000 classic. Darren Aronofsky at his finest, maybe not his directorial finest, but certainly his most artistically incredibly powerful film that you'll probably ever see of his, unless he comes out with something even better. So if you disagree with us, please write in. We love emails. We love connecting with you guys. We want to get alternate takes. We don't know everything. So that's why you write in. Cinema9pod at protonmail.com. That's the numerical nine. Cinema9pod at protonmail.com. And now is the time where we segue into quarantine viewing picks. Gentlemen, I know that you've got a list for me because you do every week. And when you're in quarantine, as are we all? I still am. Yeah, I still am. Good. Very good. This is all of my socializing right here for the week. (laughs) Taking place right now. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry to hear that. But, you know, (laughs) Travis has always got a list for us. So without further ado, let's hear it, man. Well, I'm going to, it's a shorter list. Like I said, um, I mostly watch stuff that I've seen before. Uh, I'll mention briefly the, the stuff I watched that I had not seen before. I watched Lady Bird, like I said I would. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll get to Heaven's <laughs> Gate. I'll get to Heaven's Gate. I watched, I watched Lady Bird in the first half. I really felt like you did, Aaron. Oh, like, this is not really speaking to me. And then, uh, you know, maybe it's because I'm an unabashed fan of both Dave Matthews' band and the song Crash. Oh, <laughs> boy. Really really good wow. use of that song and yes. when that moment came something in me just completely turned and i ended up loving oh. the rest of the movie yes. so wow. I, I i'm very much on the side of this movie it's a really good coming date. dude that makes me I, so happy i'm so glad to hear crash. that crash <laughs> lucas hedges um, is great in that movie oh everyone's good it's a it's a good movie laurie metcalf fucking she's great yeah um another movie that i watched i'd never seen before was the long goodbye from 1973 okay with elliot gould Gould. um based on a raymond chandler novel i could it was cool to see him in a starring role it's very much you can see like i bet the coen brothers are big fans of this movie because there's like major shades of big lebowski going on here um i could really see why it's a cult classic for like cool guys who are like 15 20 years older than me um but it didn't didn't floor me but i have thought about it more than i thought i would so i think i'll return to that someday hmm. um as i said i watched alien again for the first time since i was a teenager like and like last time i watched this movie i didn't know who anybody sitting around the, the, the mess table was and now when i hmm. watched it I fucking, like, <laughs> i'm like oh it's a bunch of legend here you know so, so that was really fun um yeah that Kodo. Like, yeah 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 Kodo. <laughs> So, so newsflash, Aliens is a really fucking great movie. Um, mm. I don't know if that's really new news, but it's really, really great. I I've never Silverado. seen it. Oh, dude, you've never seen it? Alien? Yeah. Well, you know, it's not my style, but I'll, I'll, sh- I'll watch it. Oh, so good. Uh, and I watched Silverado from 1985, which I've seen many times. Because <laughs> you love Kevin Klein. Klein. You and Kevin Klein, dude. Yeah, I there love it is. And Kevin Klein, but I also just love that movie. It's just a, it's just a, <laughs> it's like a perfect cowboy movie. It's so, it's so not based in any semblance of reality. It's just like, a, it's just like an homage to westerns. It's a lot of Larry Kasdan, man. Remember Grand Canyon? Yeah. That was Bucky good. Kasdan. Danny Glover, Grand Canyon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but my big, the one I really want to talk about, and give me a moment to, to, to just gush about how wonderful this movie is now it's offensive in places um and it's a cult classic already in its own right I, I'm, I'm talking about 2009 jody hills observe and report i fucking oh love <laughs> observe and report and you guys are wow. already not with me but i love this movie so much speaking of unlikable characters mm-hmm. and movies that make you uncomfortable that still end up like affecting you 
like I, as I watch this movie, I'm thinking to myself, I was thinking about Springsteen and like um, how like simplistic his stuff is, but how it also like gets under your skin because it ends up saying things about society and like constructs of the world and things that you maybe didn't really necessarily think about or things that you or make you think about in new ways. And I think that hmm. Observe and Report does some similar things there. The movie starts off with the band's version of when I paint my masterpiece. And I think this idea of like, I am just a, the step around the corner from like achieving greatness, this really American ideal of like, I am almost there. Like I'm actually like functioning mediocrity, but like I'm almost there and I've got a good heart, even though I'm kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> and uh, so I think, so it, this, this is a movie, like I just watched this a few months ago and I, and I, and I will watch it in a few months from now. It's, it's one of the movies I can, just, I can just watch it over and over and over again. And I think I loved it more of this viewing than anyone before. I think Jody, I watched it. Who did you say this filmmaker is? Jody Hill. Jody Hill. Who the hell is that? It's uh, one of uh, that was one of McBride's yeah. buddies. Part yeah. Of oh. yeah, yeah. He's he's behind he's behind Eastbound and Down. Yeah. Oh, uh, he's yeah, behind Vice Principals. Um, he's behind this. He's behind. He did a uh, movie uh, with uh, Zoe Deschanel before that too. I can't remember the name of it, but. Yeah, he's 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 done a few. He's yeah. he's he's got an interesting. I actually part. watched this movie uh, like a year or so ago, Travis, and I liked it more than I used to, and I used to hate it. So I gave it another chance, and I actually kind of liked it. So I think it's really observant really report. Yeah, observant I was report. I loathed it when I first saw it. I'm like, this is trash. But Anna for many Ferris years, is so funny in it too. Oh, I know I you're a big Anna Ferris fan. Yep. Yes. For, yes. For for many years, I had kind of this this um. I didn't care for Seth Rogen. I, I just could not understand why they, this guy was in movies. He's not going um, away now. <laughs> no, I, lot, yeah, so but I saw him in that movie 50-50. I, I really liked him in that. Oh, so yeah. It took a long time. So maybe I will check out Observe and Ripple. So I'm, I'm coming from a place that's definitely a Seth Rogen fan. I mean, I, like, yeah. I, like, I can't think of a Seth Rogen movie I've seen that I didn't like. So yeah. um, bear Michael, that in mind. Michael Pena's in it, right? Michael Pena's great in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fucking uh ray liotta i'm always like oh yeah you're in this fucking movie. what are you doing in this movie that's right uh, <laughs> he's funny and uh and and, and i'm telling you and, and anna ferris is hilarious but yeah seth rogan oh, god i love her she plays such an asshole in this movie it's great. <laughs> yeah she's totally out to lunch it's great it's it's actually yeah good call Travis. i'm glad you brought that movie up because it is divisive but it's actually better than i think I think people need to give it a, more of a chance. It's a lot different it's than Netflix. some of Seth Rogen's other movies. Yeah, on Netflix, it's 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 kind of a modern day Taxi Driver, which is often toyed as or touted what? as, I should say. Um, <laughs> it, it really is. I mean, it really uh, is. It's not okay. All right. It no, it is, man. It, it is in, in a way. In a, I mean, like in a very different way. Like not like it's not murderous. <laughs> Eric's gonna shit himself wow. if he watches this, and then he's like, "What I the was... hell are you talking about?" <laughs> Paul Blart. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, so I'll say this, but like the mall cop character is important. You know, it's one of the most disrespected, like, like jobs in society, right? Yeah. But it's a kind of, but the presumption is, is like you, you know, you either want a paycheck, which is most people, or you're someone that wants any kind of power, and that's mostly what the movie's about. It's about like how easily power goes to your head. So it's not like Paul Blart Mall Cop. No, 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 no. I can't say I've seen that film. It's not. Paul, Paul <laughs> Blart's PG. Yeah, it's way different. Yeah, yeah. It's very hard. All right, wow. Well, that's fun, Travis. Interesting stuff. Uh, how about you, Mr. Branstrom? What do you have for us this week? Observe a report? Remember The Ring? Yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I took it. A... <laughs> Mike, you see The Ring, you big horror fan. I have seen The Ring, actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
2002, um, I remember being blown away in theaters, and I haven't really seen it since, so I decided to take another look at it, because this is one of those horror movies that, it was PG-13, and I remember being, like, fucking scared to death as, like, a 22-year-old man, um, so I wanted to see if it still held up. It was kind of one of the first horror films of the 21st century to do, like, the whole gimmick thing, where there's a big old gimmick, and the VHS tapes is, like, haunted and all that shit, now there's, like, 100 movies like that. Um, yeah. It's still, it still is very creepy. It's a little bit dated. The second act is very bloated, but it's a really weird, interesting story with a cool central villain. And I mean, Naomi Watts. I, I remember when I first saw this woman, Naomi Watts, it was in The Ring and oh. something happened to me and I, I've never been the same. Whenever I saw her in Mulholland wow. Drive. That was the first time I saw her. Yeah, I, I didn't see this? that until a few years later, but I was like... I, I, just like I said, I was changed for other. So something happened to me eternally. <laughs> Never this, understated, her, are you, Eric? I go blank. Wow. Remember, remember like that episode of Seinfeld where they hear like a song like Desperado and like oh, of course. they can't yeah. think straight? That's what happens to me when I see this person. <laughs> yeah, the song absolutely. She's not even a brunette. I'm amazed. Yeah, yeah you, you nailed it. But you know what? There's a fucking creepy kid in it. And the kid is so awful and pointless. Like for some reason, like he's weird. And it has really no connection to the story. I mean, maybe he has a psychic connection to like the villain. Maybe not. Either way, his mom looks at him the entire time like she fucking hates him. And, and so did I as an audience member. Wow. And then they made a sequel, The Ring 2, one of the most abominable sequels of all time. Where the, literally the only scare in the entire movie is when Naomi Watts is confronted by a pack of piss poor computer animated cartoon deer. It's laughable. Did you watch both of so, these? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Wow. But the original, the original is still pretty scary. But earlier today, we were talking about Luke Wilson a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I dug into his filmography, filmography and I pulled out this movie from 2015. It was really good. It's called Meadowland. You guys heard oh, of this okay. movie? No. Mm -hmm. We got Luke Wilson is fucking really good and thoughtful and reserved and powerful in it. It's a drama. It's a quite character study about like a couple coping over the disappearance of their child like they don't know what happened to him he's just missing yeah mm. and it's a really good olivia wilde is this actress i never really thought anything about but she's comedy? fucking fantastic in it no it's a fucking it, is that a joke <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's 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 a heavy heavy drama you got it sounds Moss. it sounds so heavy <laughs> you got uh john leguizamo giovanni ribisi He's like doing the whole, you know, like the whole Giovanni Ribisi thing. Like not sure. like quite the other sister, but like that, that whole deal. <laughs> he comes in and does the that. sister, wow. But it's a really good movie. Uh, wow. Reed Moreno, female director, does a really good job. I'm, you know, I say that only because they don't get recognized enough, but she does work on uh, Handmaid's Tale. She did that movie, I think We're Alone Now, that I think you saw. Oh, that was really Nicolage. good, yeah. She directs this, so I'd, I'd uh, tell anyone to check it out. It's, uh, well, I'm sold, man. I mean, it's... it's it sounds heavy as fuck. It sounds really depressing. But I sounds, watched it, it sounds, before Requiem for a Dream, so it's been a rough day. <laughs> is it, that I was like when I did Doolittle and Cats back to back. Is it heavier than Rudderless? <laughs> no, no. It's not. It's not. It's no happiness either. It's just. Uh, oh, okay. Th there's hope in it, but it, I think it's a really underrated little gem from 2015. All righty. All right. I'm going to see it. Is that it? That's it. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, uh, what are the, uh, uh, okay, so this kind of coincides. Uh, <laughs> I've watched some things, and 
I'm still thinking about my choice for the end of the show here because I have to pick next week's movie and I'm really <sighs> uh, it's growing through my head like a million miles an hour and I'm really there's so many movies I want to pick and you can only pick one but I I did watch the last week or so I watched Paul Schrader's Hey, <laughs> I got to get I have to we get We almost got through this whole episode. We almost did it. No First way. Form, wasn't that really fucking good? That's great. I'm glad you brought him up. <laughs> God, Ethan Hawke should have got the Oscar for No, I uh, yeah, it was <laughs> <laughs> Paul Schrader's 2002 film Autofocus about the oh, legendary shit. Was that him? Wow. That was yeah, him. That was yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. A really good movie. <laughs> oh my god. Bob yeah. Crane. Bob Crane, <laughs> Hogan's Heroes, a very mysterious death oh. uh, for Bob Crane in 1978. And Greg Kinnear oh. plays Bob Crane. And Willem Dafoe plays his buddy, oh. who is just oh, like this boy. scumbag Maximus. He's a real oh, scumbag, yeah. but he's kind of yeah. likable at times. You feel bad for him at times. Yeah. John Carpenter. Willem Dafoe doing, yeah, John Carpenter. Willem Dafoe doing oh. his best Willem Dafoe. It's fantastic. Uh, there's a ton of nudity in this. Certainly not a family flick. Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> I recommend it because it's it really moves fast and it's entertaining in like weird ways. And there is fucking dream sequence or two in this film, unfortunately. <laughs> oh well, that happens. And uh, I got oh, over yeah. it. I, I, yeah, I move forward. But I really love that movie. It's one of my personal favorites of Schrader's. So strongly recommend that. And oh. then I went back and I, I know this is gonna sound like the Kevin Smith show because I I chose Clerks two last week, but I ended up watching Dogma for the first time in a long time and. God, so funny. I love Dogma. It was, I laughed so many times. It, it is clearly like a take on Catholicism and Christianity and religion to is the it? max. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> but uh, it's funny as hell. If you're a strong Christian, you might not like Dogma. Or you might find some humor in it. Maybe you'll find the jokes. But I love the performances by Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, uh, even Linda Florentino, who disappeared from the I page. love Linda Florentino. Yeah. I don't know what happened to her, but it's a good film. I really enjoy it. And uh, lastly, uh, I watched Hot Tub Time Machine. I love that movie. I love <laughs> Hot Tub Time Machine. Wow. It's one of my favorite comedies. It's hilarious. It, it's actually like philosophical in a way. Like, would you change mm-hmm. things about your life if you had a second chance? It's kind of weird in that way. But it's also just like vulgar as hell, which I love. It doesn't hold anything back. And Craig Robinson's hilarious. Rob Corddry's hilarious. And even John Cusack's, he's not phoning it in. It's like a decent performance by him. John Cusack's last hurrah. Yeah, like he's kind of Tennessee uh, to phone things in the last 10, 15 years. In my I opinion. watched Love and Mercy yesterday. He was pretty good. <gasps> oh, yeah, oh, that's right. Oh, I, did oh, I, I did watch yeah, that. I did watch that. You're right. Thank you, okay. Travis. You're right. Great call. Yeah, my fault. Awesome I did. I was kind of yeah, fucked up when I watched that movie. Up, so. guys. 2014's <laughs> Love and Mercy. Yeah, Very good film. So, yeah, so that's what I was watching. So, there you go. Check those out if you're interested in watching choices from me. Or do you prefer choices from Travis? Is this like that Seinfeld yeah. episode where Elaine gets hooked on the, uh, the, the guy who recommends movies at the video store and ends up being a young <laughs> teenage boy? So, who do you like best? Is there somebody's uh, picks that you always agree with? Is there somebody's picks that you loathe? Let us know. Cinema9pod at protonmail.com. And the snobby video store guy, like, what was that movie? The Other Side of Tomorrow or some <laughs> snobby bullshit? Did he come oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, Gene. I don't like Gene's picks at <laughs> Gene's all. Gene's picks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so there we have it. So now I guess there's just one thing left to do, and that's pick next week's uh, movie, right? You're going to have to oh, do it, buddy. I've been torn. You know, I'm going to throw a few things out here because I have to talk it out. So Of course. You're going to talk it out. Get it I, out. Yeah, I, I wanted torn. to, like... 
I wanted to do something that maybe you guys haven't watched, but at the same time, I'd love to like dissect a film that we have watched that maybe you haven't seen in a while. Like Parenthood? Uh, <laughs> actually, I would love for you guys to watch Parenthood or for you to watch Parenthood, but I'm not going to do that at all. Okay. But even though I think it's a good film, I do. But I, uh, we did a lot of Ron Howard. I'd like to switch things up, keep yeah. a lot of variety in the show. <laughs> I was thinking, I love this movie and it's so easy for me. I was thinking about going back to look at uh, Silver Linings Playbook. Um, but I mean, I think we've all seen it and it's like been there, done that. So maybe it's not yeah. that fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love I, it. It's one of my top tens of last, the last decade, but I kind of recently watched it and did a whole thing on another show. So. Oh, okay. Well, perfect. Whoa. That's why well. that's out. And I also, <laughs> so. I really wanted to do Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, <laughs> but I thought, you know, we've probably all seen that a bunch of times too. Another been there, done that. So I think, unless anybody is interested in that. But. After watching this, I kind of like, I was thinking about Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas while I watched this. And then I, I was kind of like, <laughs> fuck, fuck that other movie for oh, making drugs. such a far, farcical oh, okay. nature of it. Yeah. So I was oh, like, okay. I see it's your pick, buddy. You do whatever you want. We do in the cut. <laughs> first reformed or in the cut first reformed, first in the cut. Okay. well i think or, i settled oh yeah blue collar that'd be fun <laughs> i think i kind of settled on where i wanted to go with this uh i also was thinking about doing the john travolta brian de palma movie that i watched you know blowout yeah blowout stunningly impressive but i'm gonna go i think i'm gonna go with the noah bombach territory i love noah bombach <laughs> here it comes here we go now the question Classic is OBA. which which movie though you know I just come on Mike we, we've you all know seen which one no I don't I really don't because Squid and the Whale we've seen it it's a good <laughs> film um, but I don't know if have you guys seen Greenberg both of you many times or yeah I've never well, seen it times, but I've seen it once hmm. yeah I'm kind of thinking I, I'm kind of thinking either Margot at the Wedding or Greenberg I'm kind of torn and that's where I'm at I've never here. actually seen Margot at the Wedding. Great. I will say thank you for not thank you for not picking Squid and the Whale because we already went through the laugh fest of the record for Dream. I don't know that my my sides can handle any more splitting. Okay, it's it's done then. We're doing Margot at the wedding because I I want you to see it and I want to see what you think of it. So yeah, and if Eric's seen it, he'll watch it again and be like, oh. I remember it being very good. So yeah, I'm I'm interested. Okay, great. Let's do that then. Margot Margo at the, the wedding. wedding. Two thousand eight. Right. It's been twelve years, so it's not too old, but it's been around. There it is. What? So if you want to watch That's it with right. us next week, uh, please do. Margot at the Wedding. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman, Jack Black, Jennifer Jason Lee, Noah Baumbach. Oh, you're right. I love her. We're yeah. going to have a lot to talk about with Noah Baumbach, too. Yeah, we yeah. do. Yeah, that's true. So there we go. We did it. We we fleshed it out live on the air. Thanks, guys. Sure. I appreciate that. Thanks for humoring me. And uh, <laughs> We're here for you. Thank you. Thank you. That's uh, the end of the show, folks. We are another one in the can thank you so much for joining us cinema nine pod at protonmail.com cinema nine pod on instagram you can check out our reviews uh we'll also be posting with uh comment threads for the show coming up next week so please stay tuned for instagram lives that we're going to do we're going to talk about the shows Mm. too maybe try to get more active on there and if you'd like it would help the show you could rate our show on apple Podcasts. oh that'd be amazing that would be amazing a five-star review would be two thumbs up for us and we would really appreciate that so if you find the time go to uh apple podcast and just click on the five star so. All right. 
I think that's it. Juice by Cinema Nine. Juice by Cinema Nine. Juice by Cinema Nine. Juice by Cinema Nine. <laughs> Just say no, kids. Da- Dappy Tibbins says we're out of here, folks. Thanks for listening. <laughs>